You're listening to the MSU Ag and Wildlife Podcast. MSU is an Affirmative Action Equal Opportunity Employer. Michigan State University Extension programs and materials are open to all. my starting i'm gonna actually include this in the podcast us like doing this super awkward uh introductory you have to understand this is like um being in a play without a script for me (laughs) it's really hard really hard (laughs) (laughs) well welcome everybody to the msu i'm gonna get the name right Ag and Wildlife Podcast. This is our episode zero where we talk a little bit about the inception of the podcast, um, who we are, and what we hope to accomplish with the podcast. So my name is Erin Lazat. I'm an agriculture educator with Michigan State University Extension, and I'm joined by my co-host, James. James, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm James Decker. I'm the director of the MSU Upper Peninsula Research and Extension Center in beautiful Chatham, Michigan, and uh, Aaron and I have had the pleasure of working on issues of agriculture and wildlife for a number of years now, and sometimes it feels like we're getting pretty smart on these issues or starting to at least understand (laughs) the basics, and it's been fun to to record this series um, over the last few weeks to get to catch up with some of our friends and, and experts in this field. Yeah. So we did a little three-part mini-series, and we're considering doing more, but we'd love to hear from you about what topics you'd like to hear about, anybody that you'd love to hear interviewed on the show. So as you're listening to the show, be sure to pop down to the episode notes and go to our survey and let us know how you like the show, what you'd like to hear about. You can um, file your complaints about the number of times I say, um or any mumbling that occurs, and we'll take that feedback. (laughs) When I think back to what we were trying to accomplish or what we set out to accomplish, um, I think in these short three episodes, we've really covered a lot of ground. Um, And one of the things that we always talk about is the complexities of these issues of, of agriculture and wildlife interactions and some of the conflict that can result. Um, you know, this is a, a wide area. We've got a lot of different species out there, wildlife species on the landscape that can do damage on farms from uh, birds to mammals to uh, all kinds of different uh, critters out there. And we've we've talked about birds and deer primarily, I, I think, um, in these three episodes. But there's a lot more that we can touch on in the future as well. So that might be fodder for future episodes looking at different different species. I think the other thing this little series kind of taught me and maybe what you're speaking to as well is how much we still don't know about, you know, the complexity of these issues, but also in an exciting way where the people who are experts in these areas are headed in terms of their thinking, in terms of creative solutions, in terms of cooperating between different um, landowner types and different um value systems and things like that. And so I think that was a really exciting part of this um, for me. So we kicked it off talking a little bit about um, birds on the farm. And we had a couple of excellent experts that were able to join us. 
Uh, Dr. Catherine Lindell is somebody that I've been working with for actually about 10 years now um, since we met and started working on uh, bird damage in fruit crops. And so she actually cold called me <laughs> one day about 10 years ago, said, hey, I heard you went to this co um, conference on crows and talked about bird depredation. I'm interested in that. And since then, she has created just a massive amount of research and outreach for um, basically fruit growers, primarily in Michigan and the surrounding area. So Dr. Lindell is an associate professor in the Integrative Biology Department and Center for Global Change and Earth Observations at MSU. And, you know, she's worked in all different climates. She worked on um, birds in tropical systems. And then somehow we got her to also work on them in Michigan. Um, so she, she was joined um, by a colleague from the University of Georgia. Um, Olivia Smith is a postdoctoral researcher in UGA's College of Ag and Environmental Sciences, and her research focuses on identifying the food safety risks posed by wild birds due to agricultural intensification. And so we really had two people that um, are just kind of the experts in their field. And I think James could agree with me. We both kind of struggled to keep our heads above water and talking to them about this topic area. So you'll get to enjoy us kind of meandering around <laughs> in the dark on this topic and, and trying to um, ask good questions. Yeah, that was a fun episode. Um, certainly not working in fruit systems myself and not knowing too much about birds. It, it is uh, an area where we've got a lot to learn, but I agree. Uh, Catherine's work has been pretty groundbreaking and, and uh, she's put a lot of effort into the damage focus over the last several years. And I think leading the way um, in trying to understand particularly the aspects of kind of um, biological control of bird damage and the ecosystem services and kind of uh, trade-offs, particularly uh, working with Olivia on, on that aspect of, you know, how do some of these bird species potentially benefit agriculture and, and what damage can they also cause and kind of how do we balance the costs and benefits. And I think that's really looking toward the future. That's, that's how we're going to solve some of these issues is, is more cost benefit analysis and a holistic view of, of uh, the impact of these species on agriculture. Yeah, I remember that Dr. Lindell got a um, Berryman Institute planning grant at the very beginning. And it was the first time that as I sat down around a table of researchers, um, there was a social scientist at the table. So that was, you know, it, it wasn't something that we regularly included on these kind of transdisciplinary teams um, until quite recently. And so she was the first person to uh, pull that perspective into my field of vision, at least, and realize the importance of that. And I think, especially when we're talking about wildlife, bird species, I mean, I mean, the Audubon Society and all the love that so many people have for birds that, of course, we needed to think about that social aspect. And so, um, yeah, I've just continued to learn a lot from Catherine, and she's always been an early adopter and innovator um, around those types of issues. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not only what's maybe effective, but what's socially acceptable when we're talking about managing this kind of uh, agricultural damage. So, yeah, mm -hmm. exciting. 
So we also had the opportunity to talk a little bit about um, wildlife conservation and improved profitability on the farm with Russ Mason. And I think it was this concept that those things can go hand in hand or optimize or complement each other more so than be at odds with each other, which I think is maybe how we've traditionally from both sides of the fence viewed those two uh, issues. So Russ Mason is the Michigan DNR executive in residence and an adjunct professor in the Department of Fisheries and Wildlife at Michigan State University. Say that five times fast, I dare you. Um, but, you know, Russ has worked with the DNR for years and in this new role, he's really looking at bringing these two sides of the fence together or maybe at least talking over the fence about what we're doing. And so I thought this was a really interesting conversation with Russ. Yeah, so often um, the conversation about conservation and particularly wildlife habitat on the farm is really uh, a conversation about farmers investing or or uh, giving something up right um, maybe they they value conservation personally or there's a program that's going to provide a payment um, as a, as a bit of an incentive at best but i think the model that russ is pursuing of using precision agriculture to address wildlife habitat on the farm uh, focusing on on actually increasing farmers net profitability in the process is very innovative um, so it is exciting to think about how we can find synergies between uh, wildlife management or conservation objectives and agriculture objectives. And I think that this precision ag strategy is, is certainly a strong step in that direction. Um, so it was, it was good to catch up with Russ. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, he was, he was with DNR previously. He was the wildlife division chief. So you know, intimately aware of um, agriculture, uh, not agriculture, mm -hmm. but uh, wildlife policy and uh, wildlife management in the state mm -hmm. and and then thinking about you know how we move forward on those objectives well um, look at look at who owns the land right and uh, so often uh, wildlife is dependent on agricultural resources anyway so how can we how can we work more closely with those ag audiences to to help uh, develop some common goals mm -hmm. yeah i think from my ipm background i was really interested in the idea of using precision agriculture. So the basic concept of looking for land that is not financially productive for producers and then utilizing that and optimizing it for wildlife value um, is at least my basic understanding conceptually of what Russ was discussing. And I mean, we talk a lot in IPM about push-pull methods of pest management. And that's pretty classic integrated pest management, that idea of, you know, pulling them outside of the production field with something that's enticing. Um, and that's, you know, been up for debate before, not just in the wildlife world, but the insect world of, of how effective it is. So I'm really interested to see that work go forward and see um, what it looks like when it's implemented on the farm. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, in some ways that approach is so innovative in its recognition of how uh, wildlife conservation interests and agriculture interests are really tied at the hip, right? And it all comes back to, to the land and land use and, and how those decisions are made um, to try to advance that concept even further to the next step of how we address damage. Um, it's going to be even more exciting. And I think um, we're just beginning to think about how that might function. 
So our third episode was focused on bovine TB, um, and we were lucky to host Dr. Dan O'Brien. Um, Dr. Dan O'Brien is the veterinary specialist with Michigan DNR, and he's also an adjunct professor in the Department of Fisheries and Wildlife at Michigan State University. And then we were joined by our extension colleagues, Kevin Gould and Phil Durst, who are really two of our organization's experts around this uh, TB issue. And uh, I think it was a really interesting conversation. I'm definitely, this is my weakest topic point knowledge wise, um, but I'm just always amazed at the amount of effort and time that my colleagues have put into trying to help resolve and protect, um, you know, agricultural producers who've been affected by TB. Mm. Yeah, bovine tuberculosis has been a challenge for Michigan and particularly uh, Northeast Lower Michigan for decades. And it is kind of interesting, as you say, Aaron, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that might hear this podcast that have never even heard of bovine tuberculosis, right? That don't, don't even know what it is or that it exists in our state. Um, mm -hmm. But we have a unique situation where uh, TB is hosted in the white-tailed deer herd, in the free-ranging deer herd, and then transmitted to cattle um, through various means, usually shared food resources. And uh, it has been devastating for the uh, beef, cattle, and dairy industries in that part of our state um, and, and continues actually to threaten uh, uh, cattle production systems across the state, uh, just depending on on how those cases pop up and what regulatory decisions are made by, by USDA. Um, so it's a huge one for us. Um, and it has implications for the, for the wider public for human health as well. Um, you know, you don't hear about many people suffering from tuberculosis um, because of where healthcare and, and sanitation and things are at. Um, but certainly we can still be infected by it. Right. So there is still a human health risk there. And, and once in a while, a case will pop up. Um, but, uh, pretty important issue to understand. I thought it was one of our more fun, fun and dynamic conversations. It really had a, a nice diversity of perspectives there between the, the three gentlemen that we got to host for that conversation. Great. Well, I really enjoyed, uh, recording these podcasts. This is new for me doing podcasting. I think it's new, newish for you too, right, James? So, Brand new. Yeah. Um, we hope you guys enjoy them. Remember to um, click on the survey and the episode show notes and let us know what you think. Yeah, we'd love to hear what uh, topics you're interested in for new episodes as well. This work is supported by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture Crop Protection and Pest Management Program and through the North Central IPM Center. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are those of the author and do not necessarily reflect the views of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. For more information on integrated pest management and other vertebrate-related resources, 
visit www.ipm.msu.edu.